You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. I think we're in the game. So, excuse me? What are you talking about? Somehow, I don't know how, I think we, we got like sucked into the game. And we've become the avatars that we chose. So it's me, Spencer, but yet I look and sound like Dr. Smolder Bravestone. You're telling me that you're Spencer? Yes, 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 that's it. Fridge, I'm Spencer, which, which means you're Moose Thinbar. It says it right there on your vest. And Martha? Yeah? You're Ruby Roundhouse. And Bethany? You're Professor Shelley Oberon. Only Shelley must be sure for Sheldon. What are you talking about? Oh my god. Oh my god, he's right. And you... You're Spencer? You? Yes, guys, I'm telling you. I am Spencer. I'm Spencer. Ah! Yep, that's Spencer. Whoa. Whoa. So that means I... I'm... Wait, Bethany? Bethany, don't... I'm an overweight middle-aged man. Hello, and welcome to the 602 Club coming at Yeah, Welcome to the jungle! We got fun and games! No, this is not a not a show about, you know, Guns and Roses, but it's close enough as uh, we've got The Rock in our film. So, yeah, um, actually, it was uh, it was fun. I, I, I don't remember quite how this happened, but I, about, I think a month or two ago, Somebody asked if we were going to talk about Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. And I said, well, it wasn't on the schedule, but I'll put it on there because I really liked that movie and it would be fun to talk about. And so I'm really excited to be here to talk about that. And uh, I'm really glad that uh, Brandy was just as excited to talk about it with me. Yay! I am super excited. I love this film. Oh, I I gave it away already. Yeah, Sorry. bummer. I mean, and we're done. So uh, shortest uh, 602 Club yeah, ever. Yeah, well, you so. did say you really loved it. So, <laughs> f- you know, I figure I'll just spoil the whole thing. <laughs> no, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because I think a lot of people ended up liking this movie when they didn't know if they were going to like this movie. So, uh, you know, that's that's a really neat thing. And I think, you know, it goes to show um, how movies can be surprising and, and how... In a lot of ways, not always. Uh, <laughs> Showgirls. Um, I don't think you have to watch that to know that it's awful. Um, Unfortunately, I but, still did. Know, yeah, you know. But I think most movies, on a whole, you know, they deserve your um, attention um, and your full attention when you watch them, and and then judge them after you have all of the information. And so, um, what we're going to do that tonight is we talk uh, about. Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. Uh, just a quick reminder, though, before we dive into the show, you can find us all over the place. Um, you know, heck, while you're at it, go over to iTunes, which is a fantastic place to find all of the shows here we do on Trek FM at iTunes.com/slash Trek FM. 
make sure while you're over there, hit the 602 Club up with a star rating review. Also subscribe. It makes you get to the show anytime I publish a show. You get it right away. So uh, And give us a star rating review. Let us know what you think about the show and, and help the show grow. Honestly, there's no better way to help this show grow than star ratings and reviews on iTunes. So if you like it, let us know and let others know. Um, you can also help us out by following us on Twitter, at TrekFM, uh, and sharing the shows there, too. We tweet them out, and you can retweet, and you can talk to us all here in the network over there on Twitter. Uh, we've got uh, Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. Now, if you're a Facebook fan and you like talking to other people around the network, you can find us on our listeners-only discussion group, which is on Facebook, and it's called the Babel Conference. Now, if you happen to be on Facebook at this moment, or any moment, you can type Babel into the search field there, and it will bring you to the group. Or maybe you're over to our website at track.fm, and you're perusing some show pages. Well, if you hit the discussion menu, if you hit if you hit the discussion button on the menu, it'll bring you over to the said group. So, a couple of different ways to join, so make sure you do, and you can join in with all of the people who are talking about everything we're talking about here on Trek FM. And then last but not least, uh, if you would like to send us an email on the show, you can go to trek.fm slash contact, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and you can say whatever your heart desires to us, and we will respond in kind. So, with all of that, Brandy, who plays board games anymore? I mean, who plays board I games? I do. Okay, <laughs> yes. Um, but, <laughs> Sorry, I, that ruined the whole yeah. thing. No, oh. no, no. Um, I, I, I grew up playing board games. I still love board games. But I think it's interesting... Because really the question is about, you know, coming back to Jumanji. And I think for me, um, you know, this was uh, something that was really interesting. I, I remember hearing when this film was going to be done and it was going to come out. And I was a little bit shocked because the idea of doing a sequel to a movie from 1995, which, you know, not bad and, you know, based off a book. And a children's picture book at that, I'm like, uh, where do you get more material to do a story like this? And so, first I just kind of wanted to ask you, because I, I know a lot of people were in this camp, which was, do we really need another Jumanji movie? I mean, even critics were like that. <laughs> Uh, what did you think when you first heard, hey, we're going to we're going to go back to the world of Jumanji? Well, honestly, I knew nothing about it until I saw a trailer in the theater. And I will explain this much. I did not like the first film. I know it's beloved by very many people and I'm fine with that. But it did not work for me. And I found it more frustrating than anything else. <laughs> but... When I first saw the trailer, I thought, oh, no, not this. And then I saw Dwayne Johnson. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. That's all you need to show me. I will go watch this now. And I'm so glad I did. Because I feel like they did touch on a lot of things, a lot of, I don't want to say tropes because I don't feel like they're tropes per se. A lot of points from the original movie, but it's almost like they did it better they did it in a more relatable way i don't know how else to explain it and granted it's been a really long time since i've seen the first movie and maybe i should revisit it but i just felt like this 
was everything I wanted out of a Jumanji movie, and then some. Well, and, and it, you know, I haven't seen it since the original Jumanji came out. It's been that long. Um, and in fact, um, we just uh, picked up a copy because a friend of ours, um, we have this little movie club, and one of them hadn't seen it. And so we're like, you know, it was like like 20 bucks for the 4K disc. Yeah, like, that's hey, good. That yeah, so um, I, we'll be watching it soon, but I haven't seen it in a really long time. But I do remember, like you, seeing the trailer and thinking to myself, this this kind of looks like stupid fun. And I think part of that, obviously, is Dwayne Johnson. You know, he just has a way of making movies like, say, Rampage, which I haven't got a chance to see yet, look appealing just because he's mm-hmm. in it. He's... Which I, I I have to say, I feel like it's been a long time since I've had a movie star where I kind of want to see pretty much anything and everything they're in in that way. Yep. And there's just something about Dwayne Johnson that makes you like, yeah, I totally, I'm going to see anything that dude does because he just has a way about him. Um yeah, as Billy Joel would say, he's got a way about him. I don't him. know what it is. I know that I can't uh, live without him. I, I, can we live? No, no we cannot. I don't um, thank live. God we don't even have to try. I don't want to live in a world without Dwayne. I don't want that at all. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm with you where I just I saw the trailer and I thought, okay, this is this is interesting. And I, I was I was semi intrigued, and and then honestly. What was so interesting was that you know, then the uh, reviews came out and, and a lot of people were seeing it that I knew uh, and were liking it and were saying, oh, no, it's actually much better than than I thought it was going to be. And I was like, well, that's great. So, you know, my wife and I ended up going to see it. And I, I, I have to say, for what I kind of expected, it, it was unexpected in that way because it wasn't what I expected, which in the best way possible. And I love when that happens when I go to the theater. Agreed. I try very, very hard now to not have expectations because I know that expectations will ruin things for me. I have ruined so many things by building up something in my head as to what I thought it should be. And then when that's not what I get, I'm disappointed. Now that's on me. That's totally on me. And so I thought, okay, Dwayne Johnson's in this. Ooh, Karen Gillan's in this. Mm, that's a great team right there. I think I'm pretty well guaranteed to pay money to watch this and worth every penny I paid. And then some I just I had the best time watching this film with my husband. It was we had a great time. Yeah, we did. We did, too. Um, so the idea of of the way that they bring this forward um, you know, in the in the way that they extend the the franchise here, you know, now it's a franchise. They're already talking about the third one that they're going to be doing. I think it's slated to come out Christmas 2019. Which okay, great. Right. Uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson's back. All right, I'm uh, yeah. There, if so. he's back, I'm there. I'm good. <laughs> but what did you think about the way that they kind of brought it forward? I mean, even using the original board game and then having it turn itself into a video game. How did that all work for you? And and two, you know, starting 
closer to when the you know original movie happened you know in probably 1995 96 you know sometime after everything had gone down in the first movie yeah jumanji the next generation that that worked that actually worked for me <laughs> yeah i i actually really didn't understand from the trailers why it was suddenly a video game and then we get that one little scene in alex's bedroom of it you know morphing itself because it's obviously making itself attractive to players it wants to be attractive and so it made itself into whatever version it thought this particular player would want and it it won it, it got alex to play the game and it makes me wonder who made this why did they make it if it's supposed to be teaching people positive lessons why is it trying to kill them these are questions i have that i don't necessarily need answered <laughs> but they are things that come up in my brain but you know because i'm a child and i was born in the 70s you know i had my formative years in the 80s i had an atari 800 i played a lot of video games you know, when the NES came out, I thought, oh, my gosh, my mind is blown. And then now look at what we have today. So I loved the retro feel of the video game because it reminded me of being a teenager. And so I was thinking, yes, yes, I know what this feels like. And I, I actually really enjoyed the way that they tweaked that so that it still wasn't a modern thing. But it was more modern. It was modern for the time period in which it would have been uh, originally played, but it wasn't modern for now. So, yeah, I, I'm right there with you I, because I, you know, uh, grew up and you know Nintendo became a thing. Yeah, I of course remember when there was only Pong and oh, then, yeah. you know, like that was my first Ataris and Colecos <laughs> and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I absolutely love. I mean, Super Nintendo was actually my favorite system. It's a great system. Really. I still have mine. It, ah, so mm -hmm. good. And and so yeah, this definitely has that kind of feel. And I really did. I I I'm with you. I liked that they use the video game angle, and then I kind of loved how it it. It transferred itself, you know, to the school, you know, and the kids end up playing the game and they all get sucked in. And yeah, I, I think that's really, it just works. Um, and, you know, it, it's not that hard to believe since it's a magic board game in the first place. So I think that's really cool. What did you think? So in the first movie, Jumanji comes to mm -hmm. us, you know, it, it kind of morphs itself into our world. What did you think about them going into Jumanji instead? This Way time? better. <laughs> because you don't have innocence getting trampled by, you know, a herd of whatever out on the streets in the real world. So I thought it was better to have it all contained in one place where the environment is not real. The avatars are not real, but the kids inside them are. But there are still real stakes. And because I was... Because I shouldn't say I was such a gamer. I still am. I'm a total gamer. Uh, I loved the whole three lives thing. And I'm like, wow, you get three whole lives? <laughs> Usually you only get one. And there's, you know, there's never any credits or anything. You get to a kill screen and then it's like, oh, I, I guess I won. But, you know, this is this is one of the later games where they actually started having stories and endings. And and I, I actually prefer having it all in there. Stake's still real. However, it is not affecting the outside world and putting other innocent lives at stake. I thought it was interesting because you know, it does affect the outside world a little it bit. It does. Though, 
because, because of Alex. You know, there's a world in which Alex has been stuck in there for 20 years, mm-hmm. and you can. I mean, it looks like it busted up his parents' marriage and made like, his dad crazy. You know, so, yeah, exactly. So there were some huge. You know, there are huge stakes to this game, but yeah, I thought. You know, I. I didn't have a problem with it before, but I thought what it was what was best about it is that it wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. And they found a way smartly to change it enough so it doesn't just feel like a repeat of what happened last time, which is yes. they they use they use the rules of the game in a lot of ways and this fact that some of those are nebulous, we don't know all of the rules, but it feels like something Jumanji would do, right? Like we're talking about the board game as if it has a mind of its it, own. I, it kind of does. does I guess. It does. So, it has some kind of intelligence. I think overall, just the movie in general and the way that it frames the story, I feel like they did such a smart job of creating something that continues the franchise and allows it to move forward by showing you how this kind of morphs into different things. But also just changing it up by taking us to Jumanji this time and giving us a whole new experience. And and then, too, I, I mean, as somebody who's done some gaming myself, it was very fun to kind of be in that video game world and see them kind of poke fun at a lot of video game things. Like, I didn't put this on the um, outline, but I think it's kind of fun. I kind of love how, you know, some of the things they poke fun at, like, Let's make fun of Laura Croft's original outfit by giving it to Karen Gillan, but it's in a video game so we can get it. Like the way that they play off all of those things, I just thought was really smartly done. I agree wholeheartedly because it it shows it shines a light on the ridiculousness of certain video game tropes like the Laura Croft outfit and uh it was it was just so funny, especially when uh, Martha is just like, why am I only wearing half a shirt and shorts in the middle of a jungle? I mean, it's just, yeah, thank you. Thank you for calling that out. We women are very happy <laughs> that you recognize this stupid trope in early 90s video games. So I, I love that. Yeah. I love it. Well, and what's it's it's great is because they kind of like, I mean, they just poke fun at all of all that of it, stuff, you know, and and I I kind of think they they do a fun thing of kind of poking at the idea that we would have criticism of a video game for not being realistic. Yes, like it's a video game, mm-hmm. you know, like who cares what Laura Croft is wearing? It's a video game, you know, like just do, do, just Street Fighter people. Were you going to start talking about that too and how unrealistic that is? You know, like no, it's just it's a video game and like it's. It's heightened reality to the nth degree. You know, that yeah. that's why we play them. Because we get to do things we could never do. And, you know, it's kind of the reason why everybody was like, man, I would really love a holodeck. So yeah, well, and, go, and I yeah. agree with that. But then as a female, I look at those silly outfits yes, and go, yes. no woman is going to wear that. That is not even remotely comfortable. You can't move in it. You're going to get bitten by mosquitoes. You know, all of these things. Because... Women don't think the same way. You know, if I'm going to create a female character that is going to be, you know, a, mm-hmm. a Lara Croft type character, oh, she's going to be fully clothed. I'm sorry, but yeah. <laughs> she's not going to be wearing a half shirt and really short shorts. That is impractical at best. But and that's mm-hmm. and that's fine. You know, that's just and I think that the reason that 
people criticize that is because there was just so much of it for so long. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it Absolutely. was everywhere. It was in comic books. It was in video games. It was on in movies. And we just got, we're just like, enough. Just, just let her wear some clothes. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because I was watching, we were watching the extras after we watched it the other night. And uh, Karen Gillan was like, I kind of, I kind of really liked it. It was fun. Yeah. It was like really freeing, <laughs> um, which I thought was interesting. Like I, I didn't expect her to say that. Um, but yeah, I, it's in, in the end, what they do by turning this into a video game and kind of bringing it more, a little bit more modern, but really they're kind of poking fun at, you know, 80s, 90s type video games. So it, it is still somewhat in the past. I just, I really enjoyed mm -hmm. that. Um, but at the same time, one of the things that I really in liked about the movie is that there's a lot of depth to this movie that you're, I don't think anybody would expect going into it. And it is kind of in reference to that whole idea is that there is no reset button. And I really love before they go to the tension, their principal Bentley saying, you know, you get one life and you get to decide how you're going to spend it. And on top of that, Bravestone says um, to Finbar, he says, you know, it's a lot easier to be brave when you've got lives to spare. It's a lot harder when you only have one life. And Finbar's like, you've only ever had one life. Mm -hmm. You know, like, um, and I, I just, I felt like it's such a strong lesson of that you do only get one life. And what you do with it matters and what are you going to do with it? Like, how are you going to spend it? Um, and do you want to waste your life? You know, like, and, and I really, I thought it was really cool because the message seems to be in this movie, don't waste your life. Yeah, not something that you would expect going in at all. But, and, and I, I love that part of the movie so much because it gives me the feels, of course, but because it's so true. And and it even it, it even gives me the feels when Bentley says it, um, partially because it's again so true, but also because I worship the ground that Mark Evan Jackson walks upon. <laughs> Someday I'm going to meet that man, but uh, and he had such a small part, but it's had such an effect on the film because he sets up that whole thing of you you have to decide. And I love even when they're trying to talk their way, when Bethany is just like, if I could just, and he's like, no, 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 you know, you all know why you're here. He doesn't even entertain any of that. He's just like, you all know why you're here. And, you know, you can choose what to do with this time that you have on this planet, basically. And then it's like, it's almost like the game is trying to teach them that, but at the same time, it's trying to kill them. So it's kind of like this really passive aggressive Twilight Zone thing going on, <laughs> where I'm just kind of like, okay, do you, do you want us to learn something or do you want us to die? Because I really can't tell. And so, yeah, it's, oh man, just, oh, I love this movie so well, much. Uh, what what's so great is that on top of that, there's this whole what I really liked about the the movie that on top of the idea of look, you know, you there's no reset button life. You've got one life. How are you going to live it? There there's this message then too of personal responsibility because the I what I love about the principle is uh uh, uh you all know why you're here. Uh, I also love you know when the teacher is talking to Bethany and she's like, you are aware that there are other people 
aren't you? <laughs> like, you know, like because Bethany's trying to give her this whole like song and dance about how she should be, uh, you know, she'd have solidarity with me because I'm a woman and yeah. all. And she's using all the lingo just to get what she wants. Mm -hmm. She doesn't care about the lingo. She doesn't care about anything but herself. And, and like this whole idea of like, you have to have personal responsibility for you and your choices will determine the kind of life you have and the impact you leave. Like, do you, and, and, and the movie sets up that kind of dichotomy. You can live selfishly like Bethany or Alex or Fridge. You could kind of live indifferently like Martha, or you can live more like Spencer, who is kind of the one who doesn't have to learn that lesson. That's not his lesson, you know, uh, because he's really the only one here who continually kind of tries to live for other people. Yeah. He already has that part down. And I just, I really love this, this idea of like, life, it's just not about you. Get over it. Right. And that is the lesson that we can all stand to learn. And it bears repeating over and over again, because it's not the only movie in which I've heard the, in one way or another, it's not about you. <laughs> And we still haven't figured that out, have we? As humanity, we still have not figured that out. Some of us have, but not all of us. And until we're all on that same page, we're never going to get to that Star Trek future, kids. Come on! But yeah, this movie, it, it doesn't put it in your face like every other second. It's not rammed mm -hmm. at you in indelicately. It is woven into the entire storyline and shown through actions and people dying and, you know, then getting spit out of the sky again. All of these things are shown to us until that one moment where it's all, again, crystallized with Spencer saying, you know, it's easy to be brave when you have lives to spare. And Fridge is like, we always only have one life, man. And then you're just like, oh, yes, yes. That's what you've been telling me all alone. Alone? All along. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. As in, don't be alone. Well, and, yeah. Well, and uh, what I think is so great about the movie is, it, is the way in which it weaves all of the themes together. Because, you know, the last one kind of here in realizing, you know, you only have one life is, is this the idea is that we do need each other. And we all have our different weaknesses. And, you know, maybe your weakness really is cake. You need somebody to not to tell you not to eat cake mm -hmm. because you know, you know, it's bad for you. I do so good. I do love cake. It's pound, so good. Pound cake. Pound oh. cake is so good. Mm. Oh. Um, you know, but I just I think I think I, I one of the things that I really responded to is this idea of we need other people to help us along the journey, and other people need us too. And the idea of being there for each other to offer help and encouragement and to teach one another is something that's so important. Um, and we often forget that and pretend like we're in a lone ranger sport, but life isn't a lone ranger sport. It's meant to be lived in community. Yes. Yes, it is. And though sometimes I like to distance myself from people because I am an introvert and being in large groups drain my energy. <laughs> so 
Yeah, me yeah. too. I, I, I totally understand oh, that. <laughs> so, so basically, when I go to a Comic-Con, I need a full day just not talking to anyone if I can help it. My husband, is, that's okay to talk to my husband. But, you know, so I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to talk to anyone on the phone. I just want to be alone. But yet I'm always aware that I cannot do everything alone. And I don't do everything alone because I have a wonderful husband. But even so, there are still, and, and that's, that's one thing about us. We balance each other's, other's personalities out because we have a lot of similar interests. But I am like on the super emotional end and he is on the like, um, you know, mad scientist, uh, Dr. Horrible end. Spock <laughs> end. Sort of. And so, you know, sometimes I'm jealous of his ability to just turn things off. And he's like, but you don't understand if I didn't have you around to flip that switch back on, I might never turn it back on myself. And I'm just like, yeah, but at least you got a switch, man. There is no switch over here. It's just all this all the time. But he accepts that and understands that. And that's the thing. We all need someone. We all need a community that has strengths and weaknesses because my weaknesses may actually be someone else's strengths I'm, they, and vice versa. Something that someone else's weakened, I may be strong in. We have to have that. We have to. We're not going to survive as a species if we don't. It's the hardest to learn and to not do in a way that's destructive, too. Because we've yeah. also seen the destructive nature of people coming together and this, um, you know, I... Just for a second, just to say, you know, the resurgence of this kind of like tribalistic nature that we've got going on and we all get in our little tribes and all that matters is our little tribe instead of remember that we are really all in this together. And that's not that's not how it works. It's not how any of this works. Mm -hmm. um, and to remember this it is so important. And what I, I like about the way they have this whole thing set up is that each one of these characters is completely different. Yes. And they come from different situations and they have different personalities and they wouldn't normally hang out together, right? But they get thrown together in an adventure that teaches them to rely on each other for their strengths and through their weaknesses. And I think that's something that's really cool is that it reminds us that, you know, just like we shouldn't necessarily judge a movie before it comes out, you know, um, True. we need to experience it and, and, and give it its due. The same thing with people, right? And we are so bad sometimes at just making snap judgments and, 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 and writing people off and making ourselves more than we ought instead of remembering, no, it's not about me and maybe that person has something that they could teach me and maybe I have something that I could teach them. And that, that humility. And what I think that's the thing is this movie and this game ends up teaching these kids a sense of humility and self-worth at the same time. And those aren't self-defeating. No. You know, because you need both of those things. You need to have self-worth, but you also have to have the humility to know you're not the S, you know, like, mm -hmm. and you never will be. And that's okay. Yeah. Well, and, an, and another thing that you just made me think of is that all of this also connects to honest communication, which is also something that we as humans are not very good at. And I don't understand, and I don't mean being brutally honest. I'm just talking about, you know, like saying, 
I don't know the answer to that when you don't know the answer. Instead of acting like you do know the answer or, you know, just people are afraid to appear dumb or uh, like not up on certain trends or whatever. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Just just be honest with each other, because when they started talking honestly with each other, like between Bethany and Martha, where, you know, Martha was kind of being a bit judgy about Bethany and, you know, saying, I think that, you know, maybe you're in this popular girl bubble and you don't realize that you can be a little self-absorbed. And Bethany stops and she thinks for a minute and she says, that's fair. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, if only we could all do that in real life. If it was life. only that easy. And then, of course, she responds with, well, have you ever thought that maybe the reason why you're so judgy is because you uh, are afraid that people are going to judge you and not like you, and so you do it to them first? <laughs> and so they have this, this moment of actual, honest communication and they come away from that short conversation with a different understanding of each other. And it's just mind blown. Why can't we do that on a daily basis? It, it is. And the movie is kind of full of all of these type of things. And I, th- I think you said something that I really liked earlier, which is it's not in your face. It's just it, it, it to me, it feels like a natural progression of the story yes. and written into the story in a way that feels organic. And that's what makes it so enjoyable to watch because you are watching these kids. And, and obviously, it's kind of a coming of age story for these kids. That's the whole point of this type of story, right? Right. That's what we're doing. Uh, but the way that it's done, it feels smart and clever and authentic mm-hmm. to what we wish people could get have an as an experience to make them stop and think and this game and i think that's what's kind of neat about the whole idea of jumanji especially the way this one was done is it gives you that opportunity especially by putting you in an avatar that you're not comfortable with mm-hmm. you know we're all we're all comfortable in our own skin in the sense that we're used to it and like you know we get it and you know uh, and I, I love that each of the characters is put into a skin that they are definitely not comfortable with, you know, um, uh, and and that they have to learn to get used to. And, and, you know, they even kind of start to maybe like more than they should because it's it is maybe better than what they have at home, you know, but it gives them that opportunity to basically be in somebody else's shoes, quite literally. Mm-hmm. It is. And. Now that I'm thinking about it more deeply, I feel like in their avatars, each one of them is giving, each avatar is giving that person inside something that they don't have. So Spencer's afraid of everything. We've we've seen that from this one short scene at the early in the film where his mother comes in and she says this torrent of stuff about how everything out in the world is out to hurt him. <laughs> And, and, you know, make sure you go straight to your dad's house after school. And it is just like, oh, I totally understand now what this kid is all about. (laughs) And it's not like he wants to be this way. But when you have that constantly coming from your parent, it can't help but affect you. So he's put in, you know, Smolder Bravestone. Brave is in the name. And so he has to learn how to be that character. Uh, Martha feels unattractive, but she also feels smart and doesn't think that physical education is necessary. 
and she's put in this body of Ruby Roundhouse, the man killer. I love that subtitle. And, and she's gorgeous and she can kick butt. And she has to learn how to deal with that. And why is that important? Uh, Fridge, of course, gets all his height taken away from him. <laughs> and now he's the sidekick and not the leader. And so he has to learn how to deal with not being the one who is going to save the day and not being this big, strong guy who can deal with anything, so he thinks. And that uh, actually being smart is not a bad thing. And then, of course, we have Bethany. Best thing that could have happened to Bethany, end up in the body of a middle-aged man. (laughs) It gives her a whole different perspective because she's so self-absorbed, and now she has nothing to be self-absorbed about. And now she has to actually focus on, what else can I do with my life? What else can this character do? Because she's the only one who can read the map. And so now she's starting to get into the map reading thing. And so everybody is given this thing that they don't have or having something taken away from them that they had before. And it seems to be the thing they exactly need. Yeah. No, and I think um, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, talking about the characters, I just, I really like the way that they deal with each character and the way that they challenge them through their avatar. Um, But then the way that they end up all coming together, you know, I just thought that was great. You know, I, I, I loved Alex getting to be Bravestone and it, it, Really, it, he almost brings to light perfectly the whole idea of what, you know, John Wayne says about, you know, courage. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. You know, and that it's not that you're not scared, but that you you do what needs to be done. And he kind of learns that that part of manhood that mm-hmm. nobody seems to be there to teach him in this game. You know, he 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 gets that here. And I really like that he has that opportunity. Um, and I think he also uh, gets to experience what it would be like if he maybe wasn't somebody who just spent all his time playing video games. And maybe he did spend a little bit more time on PE. You know, like, there are benefits to that. You know, Again, and it comes down to, like, the choices that we make in our life. Mm-hmm. We get to choose. And he doesn't have to be, you know, just skinny Alex if he doesn't want to be right like he can be more athletic if he wants to be he might not be good at sports but you can still be in shape and stuff right you know like you know I think that's again like just that alone was so great to kind of see that transformation and I I mean I don't blame him at the end of being like but maybe we could just stay here yeah (laughs) but then of course Martha says the best thing we can be like this out there yeah, 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 absolutely. And and that's, I think, that's the thing that I loved, you know, um, about what Bethany gets. Um, and I, I, Jack Black was born to play a teenage girl. Oh, my Lord. He was so brilliant. So brilliant. He nailed it. And my husband actually expressed concern while we were on the way to the movie. And he says, I this may come across as really offensive. And I said, you know what? Why don't we just wait and see? Because honestly, I don't think it's going to come across that way. And it didn't. And his performance was spot on. There was no time, no time that I was thinking he was Jack Black. That was a teenage girl in a middle-aged man body. He was so good. Well, and he did such a good job of just, you know, 
basing off what Madison did as the actress, yes! you know, the actress there playing yes! Bethany, and and what's what I kind of like about the movie is that it was so willing to make fun of all of these self-absorbed, you know, teenagers who do think the world completely revolves around them, mm-hmm. who have kind of co-opted this language that they think allows them to be able to get away with being a self-absorbed brat and realizing that that's not what life is really about. And I kind of love that, you know, I mean, it's kind of a classic thing to kind of have a story of somebody change because they start to like another person, you know, the way that she starts to like Alex. And who wouldn't? It's Nick Jonas, but... Um, I, yeah. I've never been a fan of the Jonas Brothers per se, but Nick Jonas just keeps popping up, so you can't help but think, "Oh." <laughs> well, and he's great. In this he movie, is. Too. I have no complaints whatsoever. So, None at all. And, you know, but I, I, I mean, even though that is a trope, I felt like they did it well. Yes. Here with Bethany to to help spur her on to growth. And then the moment when she says she'll give him a life, I thought that was, it felt organic. It felt real um, because she does have feelings, but she's also starting to see how everybody is coming together to use their strengths. Mm. And this is something that she can do. Um, So I just, Jack Black was fantastic. Mm. And and Madison Heisman as Bethany was was perfect as well and you put those two together i think they did a great job of playing those characters so um and i just you know kevin hart is as finbar was just (laughs) just really funny like when he's like talking about the cake you know and he's like what am i am i shaking am i still black like just it's just okay we're fine and then he blows up and it's just it's oh my gosh he is so so funny so funny like really really well done uh and then the relationship that he and Dwayne Johnson have back and forth with each other was really great like I I just felt like perfect casting Mm -hmm. you know for this group perfect casting I have never seen a group of adults so nail their teenage counterparts in anything. <laughs> it was just, it, I mean, there were just these moments where you, you're like, you know, I know that you, you were always, you were never thinking, okay, well, that's just Dwayne Johnson. Like, no, that's Spencer in Dwayne Johnson's body. And I especially love the part where they're in the uh, bazaar and they found the basket and there's a snake in there. And, you know, basically they're like, you're, you're, Smolder Bravestone, you have to take care of this. And he's going up to the basket and then he turns around. And he's like, I don't want to do this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just perfect. Yes. yes. Just well, and perfect. then, and then when, when Finbar pulls out the teeth and he's like, I just defanged a snake. <laughs> like, it's not Kevin Hart. It's, it's Fridge yeah. seeing that he can do something other than just, you know, bully sports you know like he he's got more to him and i just i really love that that and you know when bravestone's like don't cry don't cry don't cry don't cry don't cry don't cry cry." (laughs) just fantastic just so good um and then on top of that karen gillen is so funny 
in this movie mm-hmm. uh, when she's trying to learn how to flirt. I she was dying. looks like Elaine dancing from Seinfeld. Yeah, it's, it's hysterical. It, she has such great comedic timing, and I think people don't realize. And having done improv comic comedy, I can unequivocally state this: drama is easy. Anyone can do drama. Comedy is hard. Not everyone can do comedy. It's it's like you have to have a certain kind of timing that almost can't be learned. And Karen Gillan has that special something. She can do drama up one street and down the other, but her comedy, uh, she's brilliant. Well, and and it's funny because, like, you know, after you've seen her in Doctor Who, you know, she does it all there. And I feel like, you know, over the years, she really has only gotten better. Oh, absolutely. At that. And, you know, I mean, when she's doing the whole dance fighting scene (laughs) it's just like and ooh, baby i love your way i mean when that starts playing and she's just kicking their ass all over the place it's just hysterical and then i love the guys watching her and bravestone walks out and he kind of like watches her oh and then he's like "Eh, she's got it he walks back in like it's just it's so great because you know she gets to see and I think it's so neat, like we were talking about earlier, the characters getting an opportunity to be in somebody else's shoes, but she gets to see the benefit of PE, right? Like mm. there are benefits to physical education and, you know, having a body that you take care of and allows you to do these type of things. And, you know, I just, whether or not the characters all end up taking all of these things they get little bits and pieces. And yeah. I liked that at the very end when Bethany was talking to her friend. She's, you want to go, what? Hiking? Huh? What? Like, I'm just, I'm kind of ready for, I hope all of these kids are back for the next movie. And, you know, they end up somehow back in Jumanji. Who knows how? But, uh, or somehow Jumanji comes to them. And it'd be kind of fun if they were like camping or something. <laughs> and it come, You know, like Jumanji comes to the woods. Uh, or something, I don't know. Anyway, I'm just saying, this movie did make me feel like it did its characters and its story justice by what it, it gave them an opportunity to learn. And I just thought, man, this is, it It feels like that classic like 80s, 90s movie done just right that has that message that you're supposed to take with you in the end. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a cheesy thing. It's a great thing. It is a great thing. And one thing that I want to call attention to, because I've seen a lot of reviews online where people just disparage this part, how Bethany deals with having a penis is one of the funniest things I have ever seen. Because it's pretty funny. <laughs> they don't do it in a typical way at all. You think they're going to make some typical joke? Oh, no. Oh, no, no. They're smarter than that. And my my the thing that made me laugh so hard that I was crying was... Hey, Martha, come look at my penis. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, I mean, I i can't imagine what that would be like, but I guess I can try to. And the, the idea that all of a sudden something like that is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it, it is done very well how they, they, they do that. And it does make for great comedy, you know? It does. Um, 
So I, I, I did actually enjoy that. She's like, I got to go to the bathroom. Can you show me how it's done? <laughs> I know, like, that was the best. She's like, I've been dreading this all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just great. Um, well, kind of lastly here, just what did you think about the movie overall? You know, just kind of like the production and the music and the effects, because all that's a pretty big deal when you're coming into a movie like this where you're going to have, you know, rampaging rhinos and, mm-hmm. you know, hippos eating people. And- <laughs> That's still, it's still, even though I saw it in the trailer, it was still funny. It's still funny every time. I mean, I've... Everybody knows you don't get in the water with a backpack on. <laughs> oh it's so great um yeah well i i i love um i love the i love the locations i love the sets um i don't feel like uh, there were a lot of people who complained about visual effects i'm like they're in a video game it's okay they're in a 90s video game it's fine not everything has to be super realistic and so it still has that fantastical feel, but at the same time, the stakes are real. They've they've seen their friends die before. They know that this thing is dangerous. So, the anything with where the visual visual effects may have been a little, eh, like uh, the the jaguars were a little digital, but that didn't bother me. I didn't and care. The elephant. And the elephant, I didn't care. Yeah, I didn't care. Yeah. Didn't bother and I, me. I actually didn't even think about that, the idea. Like, you're absolutely right. It's a video game. Mm-hmm. They're inside a video game. So the fact that it may look, it's kind of like Ready Player One mm-hmm. in that sense. Like, it, it's supposed to look like this because yeah. you're in a video game. Yeah. So none of, none of that bothered me. I did love seeing Reese Darby at the beginning and end because Reese Darby is one of my favorite comedians and I love it. And I was so surprised. I'm like, oh, I didn't know Reese was in this, you know, and just his intrepid, you know, guy who gives them the quest and then sends them all home. Just adorable. Love that. Um, it have a, a bad guy who isn't really very interesting. Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be right, right? Because it's not about it's not about him, him at, at all. all. Yeah, we don't care. We don't care. And and it took me like half the movie to realize. Oh my god, that's Bobby Cannavale. I didn't even realize that for half the film. I'm like, seen that guy somewhere. Oh well, because it was just it. it you know, it, his performance was fine. He did what he was supposed to do. He wasn't supposed to steal the show. He wasn't supposed to be you know a super interesting villain. He was a video game villain, and that's fine. So I just, I loved the excitement of it. I loved the humor of it. I loved, I loved everything about it. There isn't anything I, I, I complain about. I, I really liked the very end too, when they come out of the game <gasps> and they're at the house, mm-hmm. you know, that's changed now. I get, I get feels when that happens. It's Colin Hanks, yes! which is great. Yes, Colin Hanks. Um, I love him as, so much. Yes. yes. And and the when you know he's talking to them and he's talking about you know I'm so thankful for both of you all of you and how you saved my life um you know how you know they have a little one and the, uh they've two little ones and their daughter is named Bethany after the girl who saved his life yeah that's what i get you know, like <laughs> which is which made me uh, there was one question i had um in that did his parents remember that he had been gone for no. some point. No. Do you think? No. 
because he got spit right back out on the same night in which he went into the game. Hmm. His parents were not because aware of anything. he says the anything. girl that saved my life. I wonder how he explained that to his wife, because that's kind of a hard explanation, if you ask me. Well, well, I was struck in a video game, and then this girl, she gave me her extra life, and you know, like, okay, honey, you need to lay off the sauce. No, all you have to do, you don't even have to tell anyone about the video game. You have to explain you had an allergic reaction to something, and mm. this girl gave me mouth-to-mouth and saved my life. There you go. That's all yeah, you have to say. That, yeah. So I I wouldn't necessarily think that he would tell the whole story expecting his wife to believe it. Although if he had the right lady, she would believe him. (laughs) So, and now you've got four corroborating witnesses. So, you know. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No, I just, I really love that. And I thought it was, it was a really heartfelt moment Mm, because it crystallized for those four how important that experience was. You know, it wasn't something that they could just move past. You know, like this needed to be a moment where they did make choices that were different in their lives. And I love, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of like the 90s movie trope, right? Everybody comes together in the end, you know, and they're all friends and everything. And I just, you know, I it's one of those things like I don't care because I enjoy being able to see a movie that leaves me feeling high when I go out mm-hmm. of it, you know, that allows me, it's kind of the same reason that I loved um, the greatest showman last year. Yes. It came out of it feeling good, yes. which is such a great feeling. And, you know, for the most part, um, it happens every once in a while. But I feel like it doesn't happen as much as it used to. And in a movie like this, I think it's just it's just needed sometimes. And so, yeah, I I don't know if you had to rate uh, the movie. What do you think? If I had to rate the movie, this is always a difficult thing for me because I do tend to rate things really highly where other people might be a little bit more modest. Um, let's see. I would give this um, 20 green jewels of Jumanji out of 10. <laughs> I really love this movie so much. It's a hard question. Um, you know, I, I think that this, obviously the movie's not perfect or anything, but the feelings I get from this movie, I actually, the so we just recently, we watched it. We watched it last weekend and I changed my rating. Um, it was a three and a half out of five, you know, angry hippos. Uh, hungry hungry hippos oh very Um, hungry hippos yes but i'm gonna say this is four out of five oh that's high for you wow yeah impressive this this movie did raise in my estimation with a rewatch and it was just because it really was it's so enjoyable it's so fun and then i started thinking about all the themes that we talked about and really how Mm -hmm. deep they are and how good they are and and how well uh, I feel like the movie kind of does a fantastic job of kind of challenging some of the things we see in our society, but doing it in a way that makes it appealing to turn around. Yes. And I, I just, I, I think we just need more of that. So yeah, all in all, this is definitely four out of five Hungry Hippos. And if you haven't seen it, I, I highly encourage you to check it out. It's so worth it. Um, you know, it's out on home uh, release now, so you can buy it or rent it or any of those things. So check it out. And uh, really want to say a big thank you, too, to Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson because they make sure that 602 Club keeps coming to you each and every week. Not only that, but it's their support 
has Patreon members that make sure that this keeps coming to you. Um, They are social producers here on the 602 Club through Patreon, and they've been supporting this network and this show for a very long time, pretty much since this show started. Uh, And so I just really thank them. And uh, the reason that they do that is because they know there's no way that we can keep all of the quality program coming to you here on Track FM by ourselves. It's just too much. And so we need your help to make that a reality. So go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and you can see how you can become part of the team. We have many different levels of contribution. In the end, every little bit truly does help. Um, but we have some great perks at certain levels, so go check it all out and become part of the team at patreon.com slash trekfm. Uh, Brandy, thanks so much for joining me with this one. Like, It's just been a blast getting to talk about this one. Yes. But uh, yeah, if anybody wants to see what else that you are up to, because I know you're a very busy young little bee, where can people find you? Thanks for saying the young part. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I am always around on the Babel Conference. I lurk, but sometimes I even comment. Uh, so you can always find me around there. You can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12, which is Brandy spelled with an I and 12 is a number. I am on the Trek FM network on Warp 5, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, and I love doing that with my friends, Brandon Shamatella and Patrick Devlin. And uh, I also do a podcast with my sweet husband, Dave, called the Dark Corner Podcast, where we look at a lot of pop culture and geekery and nerdy things and basically all the things that we like, but kind of view that through kind of a darker point of view. Um, there are swears. Don't let children listen to that. <laughs> so those are most of the places you will find me around. And you can find me over on Twitter, MattRushing02, Instagram under the same name. I'm uh, here on the network also doing The Orb with Chris Jones talking about Star Trek and Deep Space Nine. Um, I'm over on the Nerd Party Network uh, talking all about Harry Potter on Owlpost where we go one chapter at a time. Me and Drea Kaufman, it's so much fun going through that series like that. Uh, Also doing Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills. It's a it's a really fun Star Wars podcast. It's just two guys talking about Star Wars as as fans do. Um, and each week we just pick a topic and talk about that. So I uh, hope you will check that out. And then uh, last but not least, I am talking about uh, films through the ones of faith with my good friend Courtney. And that show is called Cinema Stories. And you can find all the shows that Brandy and I do on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. So but thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Oh, baby, I love you, baby, oh.